What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sean Salisbury Show, episode six. I know which one it is this time because I looked right before the show. There you go. Episode six. We're ready to go. Uh, I've found that I like to start these shows just asking you a question about something that, you know, I don't want to start with the the trade request being thrown around the NFL. I want to ask you something that, you know, you have perspective on when it comes to, you know, the, the NIL stuff, anything in that realm. So today I was thinking, I have twin boys that are seven. Mm-hmm. This year they're going to be playing football, but they're going to be playing flag football. So when do you feel it is right for kids to make that jump to pads to to tackle football Six. when it comes to peewee? You, you'll know at home. You, you'll know when they come home and they <laughs> play it. And here, here's the irony of this is for people listening, I never – I played more tackle football in the park with my buddies growing up. Tackle football with no pads on when we'd go over there and I'd be the Oakland. Right. That. I didn't play Pop Warner. I didn't play youth football tackle ever. I, did, I didn't know how to put pads on when I went to high school as a freshman. I may have shared this story. When I, when I put yeah. my thigh pads in, I had the long part near and it like pinched the nuts area, right? You know, pinched it. Mm-hmm. And my buddy looks at me and goes, dude, you got to put the – that was when you were sliding pads in. They weren't built in. Right. The, thin, the smaller part, which is common sense, inside and outside. Hell, I got to USC. The, the, here, here I am as the supposed, you know, the number one recruit in the country. There's a picture. I didn't know how to put the, the hip pads in. The built, I didn't know how to put them in. And right. I had the, I had the, 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 the wing outside the pants. Right, so they were sticking lineman, up real there's high. There's a picture of it. One of my offensive linemen, Mike Lamb, comes up to me because he's got a picture of it. It was somebody from the stands took a picture of us, and I don't even know if they knew. And it's like, yeah, they're like almost out. And there's like that much inside the pants. Like all's one tug and it's out. It's not even the jump right. other than I still slammed in there. I never wore hip pads after that. I'm like, I had no idea how to do it. Well, Segs, for me, it's the answer is I don't think the I don't think the answer is the same for everybody. I don't. For some, it's seven. And it's not the, the 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 physical part of it. It's you'll know mentally and emotionally if they're ready. Physically, hey, who wants to get hit at seven, right, or at ten? Right. Nobody does. Which leads me to this. Do you know I learned how? When I, and I encourage, like I said, I love tackle football. And you know, when you were in Texas, that it is everything. I mean, these kids are starting at a young age. So when somebody says, "Well, should they start?" Well, at seven, I, I don't know. I train a quarterback that was seven years old. And then I, I, there's kids that, that, that haven't started playing until high school. So I've seen both. And I don't think there's any particular – anybody that says, oh, it's uniformity, it's a blanket, it's, when they get to eight, they're eight, they're ready to go. Well, some may be more mature at six, and some may be more mature at ten, right? So it just depends in that range. You'll get a feel for the way they talk about it, honest to God at home. You will. Because when people say, well, are you used to getting hit? Hell no, a seven-year-old or ten-year-old, 12-year-old. They're not used to getting hit. Nobody wants to do that. But I'm going to tell you what I learned at my position, honest to God truth, in the seventh grade, because I never played youth football. It was always flag or tackle with my buddies, which was stupid without gear on. Right. My, yeah, my, my junior high football coach, we, I mean, he was my junior high uh, PE teacher. And we played basketball because basketball and baseball were my sports at the time. And then during like wreath, the time when you go out and have a break at lunch and during physical education when they played football uh, during phys ed, I could throw it. And he's like, because I just moved back to California from Arizona. So he didn't really, wasn't familiar with me. He says, uh, Salisbury, as we went on, because we play, he played basketball with us every day. He was old school. Like he stood and made sure everybody in the seventh grade 
took a shower before they went back to class. You could not go. There was no shower pills right. in the seventh grade at Hidden Valley Middle School. Yep. Coach Maynard, impactful. We'd play, and he challenged me to a shooting contest every day. So when we started throwing, it was football season at recess or at, 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 at PE. He saw me throw, and he goes, well, he goes, you, you'll be playing football for our flag football team. And we had 11. It wasn't seven on seven. It was 11 on 11. So okay. six, you know when I learned to read coverage? I mean, I'd watch on TV. You know how I learned to read coverage? Is playing 11-on-11 11 11 flag football, and here's why. Everything's the same. Coverages, two deep, three deep, roll mm-hmm. corner, you know, three cloud and sky and all the things you did in a four-down lineman, and it was everything without bringing somebody to the ground. So coverages were no different. It's just that as a quarterback, I dropped back in my whole thing, and, I, you know, I had plenty of weaknesses, but one of them, one that I didn't, one weakness I didn't have, I never watched the pass rush at any time in my career, ever. Now, I wish I'd have had Lamar's feet or Josh Allen's feet, right? But my thing, right. I, I was always good at keeping my head up and understanding the puck because I was so used to it, seventh and eighth grade, of reading coverage. And what do kids at seven or eight or nine do, Segs? You give the best the ball to the best player on the team. Yep. He plays quarterback. He drops back and he sees the first guy covered or he drops back. What's his head do? It goes to the rush. It's only yep. human at eight years old or nine years old, right? So you go to the rush and then you make that guy miss and you're better than everybody and you go score. But you're not learning coverage. You're, you're, watching, you're watching the pass rush instead of seeing the coverage. And I know at nine, but why not start good habits earlier? So for me, I learned how to read. I knew the difference in cover two and cover three and cover roll corner one way and rotation the other in the seventh and eighth grade. And then I was fortunate to go to a high school that had phenomenal coaches. But he was really good. So instead of – I never dropped back and flag, even though I was big, I still never dropped back from flag and watched the defensive end because, oh, man, he's going to hit me and I'm going to feel it. Uh, if he got me, it was just, you know, knocked you to the ground on ag while he's pulling your flag physical or whatever. So I learned how to read coverage. So one of the, the greatest early advantage for me was instead of watching the rush, I watched coverage. And I never played youth football, but for the kids I've coached and watched, every single kid's different. Some may be physically bigger, but they're not mentally still, uh, mentally or emotionally, they're not ready for that. And then there's that kid, Sags, I've coached these guys, you've seen him, the kid who's the smallest kid on the block, and he'll knock the living hell right out of you. And he's, re- he's, matter of fact, he's pissed at you that you wouldn't let him play at five. You know that kid. Yeah. So I think well. it's each one. So for you, and you know kids and being a parent, and Sags, and, and don't discount this, and I know you don't, how important those coaches are that coach those kids that young. If they're volunteer coaches, it's a good time to teach it right. But you, you won't know until you see them go through it. But you'll also know when they come home and they can't wait to go practice again, you'll know. You'll know when it's time. Yeah. You will. But yeah, I, it, it, football, it's... I encourage it because you learn <clears throat> without worrying about getting hit. Yeah, it, it's funny because, you know, I mentioned I have twins. One is that kid you mentioned, the one that just wants to hit he's like i have one that's all he wants to wants do to he watched it last field, year right yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah he watched it last year for the first time with his cousins who are almost 12 now they're playing tackle football and he you know he's just like let's go i want to hit people and then i have another son who he's not he doesn't want to get hit but he wants to play quarterback so i'm just like you know what let's just play flag for now probably a couple years at least worth of flag football learning like you mentioned especially if he wants to play quarterback let's let him learn that way because you put him in these you put him in these peewee tackle leagues they don't throw the ball so what's the point outside of just running the ball what's the point of the quarterback they watch the rush not much 
And who gets yeah. you getting young habits? Not that you're going to tell right. some seven-year-old to, to, to know how to attack quarters, but it's just the simple thing of keeping your head up and, and looking right. just, to, just to see it. And then it becomes a habit. And for me, hell, it was a habit, even though it was my flag football didn't start till the seventh grade. But you're right. And both kids may not – one may want to play. Like you said, you're aggressive one. Mm-hmm. He may want to play now, and you may hold the other one off and, and flag, and he may be mad at his brother. But eventually he'll sit back and say, you know, like I did – and it was a baseball, basketball, but I, you'll know, and you know how those kids are. Hell, you got three of them, two boys and a girl, and they're, none of them are the same, right? They're right. all different. So yeah. you'll yeah, know. Yeah, I, I think the only, the only ones that really I think I don't think should play tackle, but if you're going to play them are bigger kids, you know, just that you're like, okay, you're going to probably play offensive line just by how you're built. Right. There's, you know, flag you can do a little bit, but you put the pads on and you're learning how to do stuff with actual physical contact where it's just like we watch it in training camp. I hate training camp when it comes to people because they watch these guys, these offensive linemen and no pads getting beat by defensive linemen. Well, they have no pads. They, it's not the, it's not the game. It's not the same football. That's right. Like they're, they're, they're not doing much. So that's where it's just so frustrating to, to watch and everybody react. And we've talked about it play by play of training camp is the worst worst thing ever because people react off one tweet of a guy who may not understand what he's watching and they just say oh well this corner got burned well he sucks and it's just it's the worst part of the football season i go on in san francisco every week trey lance is having his ups and downs like a young quarterback would who started two games and played a quarter or a half of another he's in his second year it's his team now well, of course he's going to have some accuracy issues, and of course he's going to yes. make some poor decisions. Then he's going to make a spectacular throw, and I, it, I mean, they're they're I mean, people are charting his statistics on it. It's like, man, I understand. Now, listen, if he's yanking every throw into the ground all the time to open right. receivers, then throughout the entire training camp and the first two weeks of the regular season, then we got to have an adjustment here. Look at either he's hurt, or the guy forgot how to play. I said, but you got to slow down with. I mean, guys are tinkering. They're trying to get, he's trying to get a feel for this is my team and I got to be a good example and I got to throw it and go through my reads and it starts to move faster. And I said, and if you think it moves faster in training camp, wait till the first, because nobody's putting in coverages in the first preseason game. They're playing base coverage and base. They're not blitzing every snap. And I said, first month of the season, if you think it's tough, quick, uh, I mean, tough sledding now, you guys better strap it on because it takes a minute. And so, right. yeah, but they're judging every, oh, man, he's 7 of 10 today. It's like, just, just stop. <laughs> Let the kid have a, a little leeway to, to, to grow into the position. It's, it's absurd, but you're exactly and right. Quarter, quarterbacks especially. Guys are going to miss throws. Tom Brady misses throws. It happens. You think? Like, it, it just, yeah. yeah, I mean, it happens, but it's just like you see one throw from Justin Fields or all the talk in Jets camp is Zach Wilson's being sacked on every single play, it feels like, because that's all they're talking about. It's not going to be that way. He's not going to be sacked on every – and if he is, then shame on Joe Douglas, the GM, for building an offensive line. It's that not is putrid, reality, obviously. man. It is not it's reality. Not. It'll yes. be football, and the, the, what will separate the winners from the losers are – Good quarterback play, about three to four other players and physicality. Yes. And about six to eight, eight to ten plays a game between the best team in the league and the worst team in the league. 
Yep. And that, that's where they'll live. So, no, he's – Trey Lance isn't going to miss every open throw. Justin Fields isn't going to get – I mean, yes. isn't going to – if he's having a great preseason, he's probably not going to the Hall of Fame after his second year. Right, exactly, and, yep. And Zach Wilson's not going to get sacked 48 times a game, okay? So right. slow down, folks. But, man, there's got to be hyperbolic shit to talk about, Sags. That's the way it works. Oh, you know always. that. Always. Always. And something we talked about on the last show – was Roquan Smith and the Bears. Well, he came out this morning, requested the trade. I've talked to some people that are in the know, you know, that know people in the know, as you should say, that, you know, this comes off as a negotiating tactic between a guy who has no representation. He's representing himself. He's got an advisor, but that's just a financial guy, basically. And he's basically listening to his family and close friends. Of course. So he's asking for the moon. And, and from what I've heard, it's the moon. And then the bears are close to what he should be, but they're backloading it and making it, you know, uh, Ian Rappaport was on here in Chicago, basically saying the, the cap guy, Cliff Stein is the one causing all the problems here from the bears perspective, because he's trying to basically here, it looks really good, but in reality, the contract isn't good for Roquan Smith. So both sides are screwing up, but, just your take on Roquan demanding a trade or asking for a trade out of Chicago. And we saw the same thing with Kareem Hunt and the Browns came out and was just like, no, <laughs> like, we're not trading. And if, you. I, and if I'm the Brooklyn uh, Nets owner, I'm doing the same thing right? to Kevin Durant. Oh, here's the ultimatum. Yeah. It's the coach and the GM or me. Well, you got three years of contract left, dude. It's really not an ultimatum. The ultimatum yeah. is if you don't want to show up and we don't do what's best for our team and we don't trade you, then you don't get paid. If you don't show yeah, you don't up, you don't make so that 40 save, plus million dollars. Save, save your damn ultimatum for somebody else. Player empowerment's yeah. fine until you think player empowerment is the only answer. That's where stupidity comes in. And like the, the, like what, what did I mean now, now if all of a sudden the Brooklyn Nets owner says, ah, okay, I'll get rid of those two. Then all you're doing is giving p- players that you might as well name them GM head coach, all yeah. of it at the same time. So I love player empowerment. I just don't like, if you want to be a GM, Kevin Durant, Put a damn suit on and go up there and negotiate everybody's contract, okay? I don't mean you shouldn't ask for a trade or shouldn't want one, but right. save the ultimatums for somebody who's listening. In this case, Segs, when I read this and I texted you, we, we, we texted mm-hmm. on the show when I was on the show, and I, I told you last week I'd overpay a little bit for him because I think he's that good. Mm-hmm. I think he might be as good an off-the-ball linebacker as there is in football. I, I really do. Yeah. He, he yeah. just is really active. He's a great player. But let the, his, his statement, what purpose did it serve? He's already said, basically, he pinned himself into a corner by saying goodbye. And that's the speech you give when you've left a city after 10 years and you're going to finish your career somewhere else. Not right. in the early stages when the negotiations didn't start till April. You're still in the infancy of it. It's a new regime. They're, everybody's trying to figure you're under contract for another – and you're a great player, and they know how much they need you. And, of course, that's why it's negotiation. That's why I'm not a big believer, Segs, in especially early in your career, negotiating your own. Because what happens is they're going to say all the crappy things to you. You're going to say crappy things back. You take everything personal. That's why when you have the guy, the agent, let him be the bad guy. He doesn't have to tell you all the crappy things they're saying about you. Oh, he's not worth it. Now you're the one hearing them all. But, Segs, right. it was, I, I don't think it's good advice. Now, listen. Does that mean that if I'm Roquan Smith, I don't say I want trade? If you want traded, then go ask for one. But it's everything mm-hmm. else after that. I love my heart and soul's here. 
I'm a Bears guy through and through. No, you were born in Georgia, so you, you you're not. Yeah. You're a Bears guy. Been a Bear for three years, three years, four or, years, yeah. whatever it is. Right. So whatever it no is. No mistake, and he's a great. I just to me, Sags, if you want to go to the point, say, listen, I don't know where this is going to get done. We're not close, and maybe it's best that they trade me. Although I love being here, and leave it, and then negotiate. I just don't understand. See what Lamar's doing. And he represents himself and his mother do it. Mm -hmm. But tell me when you ever hear him, when when was the last time you heard him negotiate in public? I mean, to the point where he's like, and he's showing up and practicing. Now, if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'd have a hard time of showing up and saying, I deserve more than Kyler Murray. Now, with the way you run this offense, and I'm going to get hit 45 times a game because I run it Mm -hmm. 22 times, and 18 of them are designed runs. I get it. I I do, and I get where Roquan Smith, but you don't, to me – what what is Ro, what does he accomplish, Sags? And you could say as a Bears guy, as a Bears fan, if I'm a fan, and I'll tell you why. He wants the public sentiment to rally around him and rip the Bears to shreds. And the and to me, you 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 don't. Sometimes honey's better than vinegar, right? That doesn't mean right. you've got to kiss ass. I'm not telling you your performance is enough to show that you right. deserve more money. But I don't know what because now what if he comes back? Do you come back crawling back and say one, I got what I want, or I accepted less? And then to your teammates, it sounds to me when I read it, oh, okay, so he's, I guess he's not showing up to camp anymore and he's done. He's just going to hold out and be done. But he's not because he said, well, maybe the McCaskies, who I haven't talked to yet, and he's the agent, <laughs> maybe they'll think different and we can get this done. I just think whoever advised him advised him wrong, and yeah. he let emotion on his sleeve take over social media, which never works. Great player. Bad way to approach negotiations, even if you're far off. Don't show up. That's okay. The guy, it, it's it's just simply he wants the court of public opinion to rule on his side, and you and I both right. know it. His performance did enough of that because I think he's a hell of a player. Yeah, and that's where I give credit to rookie GM Ryan Poles. He came out after practice today and he addressed it. Took questions. He addressed the Roquan Smith situation. We don't see GMs do that a lot. Agreed. A lot of them hide behind. You know, they leak things through the media. He came right out and said what he thought about it. He said he still expects him. He still expects himself to sign Roquan Smith, which we'll see now, but he doesn't seem to be, you know, playing into the game that Roquan Smith is trying. Why would he just said, I want him. Yeah. I want him to be on our team. And if we can come to an agreement on a deal now, I still do think there is a time where uh, Ryan Poles has to come out and say, Hey, Cliff Stein, if that's who's doing your contracts, let's get this done. Of course. Or at least give him your best and final and make it worthy of the type of player that he is. And if you don't, if Poles doesn't think they should do that, then trade him. And the truth is, get whatever yes. you can for him. Yes. And, and without him, without his verbiage forcing the trade, let his money be too high. If that's the case, you don't want to pay it. That the money doesn't match the performance which must be a lot of money because he's really good. Mm-hmm. He's really good. Yeah. Then, then, you, then you take it into consideration. And also, Sigs, and when you're a new GM and Ryan Poles, you face the difficulty of the leadership approach. Like, he can go with the, you know, you try to inspire and get people to trust the organization, and you empower, like, for instance, a head coach empowering his coordinator to call plays. I'm going to let you do yeah. it. I'm not going to interfere with it. I'm going to resist the temptation. And I understand why Ryan Poles is going about it. Ryan Poles is the boss, not named the president or the owner. So if it gets right down to it and he says, we're not going into the season without Roquan Smith, then he goes to the capologist and says, "Here's we know the floor, here's the ceiling, 
get him to this get get him here's what we can tolerate salary wise if it's mm-hmm. longer than that then he holds out and if we can't get a trade then he just misses out on salary this year and we'll wait i'm not giving him away he doesn't get to determine the football franchise's future and hold us hostage and if you're the bears you don't get to go cheap on him if i'm him and say i'm showing up to risk this but he's still under contract so he's got a decision to make but at some point we'll know how bad ryan poles wants him because you step in because no offense to the capologist, you don't run the show. You're basically right. going on. They come and they gave you a sheet that says operate within these parameters. Now if they go back and say, let's adjust them. Okay, we lowballed it. Now let's start to creep this thing up. The season's coming. Justin Fields needs help. And having Roquan Smith gives us a better chance on defense to give him a better chance offensively with field position and everything else. But if it gets to the point where it's unfixable, then, then you've got to go get because you can get a lot for him. As, as the yeah. Bears know – when they went out different position and went out and had to give up a lot to get Khalil Mack. So they've seen mm-hmm. the other side of it, even though this is a new regime. Yeah. And I mean, immediately when I, when I saw this and, you know, I was thinking the first team that came to mind was the team, the city you're in with was the Texans extra draft capital from the Deshaun Watson trade and other trades they've made. Plus Lovey Smith. I mean, you can't tell me there's not a guy that would fit in oh. Lovey Smith's defense better than Roquan Smith. So I don't know, you know, if, if this is looking like a Lovey Smith's going to be there for a few years, or this is going to be a thing where he's here one year and gone. If they're not good, who knows with the Texans organization, but there's a guy in a team that makes sense for each other. Well, and think about Nick Casario's background. You want me to roll through the linebackers mm-hmm. and those kind of difference makers that have been on that yep. team in new England. And now here and Segs, I talked to Erlacher. I talked to Brian and I asked him about Lovey Smith. And Erlacher swears by him about right. what the difference he made in his career. And so, it, and listen, with what Lovey does with his two shell now, he's going to try to make some adjustments. He's got some corners now where he can pressure more, yeah. and they're going to need to. But you have to have – guess where else Lovey knows where that guy comes? Remember Derek Brooks? He wasn't half bad, yep. at least through that Tampa Tony. You know what, Monty Kiffin, yep. that whole thing. So he's familiar with that scheme because it was Monty's scheme. Now – it's a little outdated as your base coverage, but it's a good changeup, and Lovey knows that. But that guy in that defense, you got to have him. And then when he's ready to take on a guy and play tackle to tackle as well and do the things he does. So, yes, you're exactly right now. The question is, are you willing to part with that? And then what's it going to cost you financially, right. financially to pay Roquan Smith to make sure that he, when he comes there, he's happy? So there's a balancing act to have. And if and Roquan mentioned about all the great linebackers in Chicago, well, you're, you're going to have to realize that in negotiations, negotiations aren't when you hammer somebody over the head yeah. and you're the only one that wins. Both have to feel like they won when they walk away from this. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I, I know a few guys that, you know, media guys in Chicago that still think this deal gets done by the first week and we've seen things like this maybe not trade with us but some guys go public and then still get there i mean debo right. samuel just did it i mean he he did it during the offseason where he asked for the trade and now he's got his ex- three-year extension for big money right we could see the same thing happen with roquan smith and the bears all right now well i i said we were going to talk college today and we're going to they came out and we're going to get to in just a minute the big 10 and the sec basically swapping tv channels I wonder if that bugs you at all, just because we're so used to what we know. But we've got the preseason coaches poll. 
top five or top 10, I'll give you Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan, Texas A&M, Utah, Oklahoma, Baylor. Any surprises, any teams that you think like, eh, they probably shouldn't be there and a team's missing. I have one that I'm kind of just, I haven't done much lately and I, I'm still waiting and it's something that I'm surprised to see that I just read. Right. For me, there's a couple things to say. One is don't sleep on Baylor at 10 because I'm telling you what Dave Aranda right. knows how to coach and their program is, they are on fire with the way they're going about their business. They really mm-hmm. are. Uh, and I, another team says to keep because of the conference. Now, I know my Trojans are in the same conference, but I'm just going to tell you, they've got a quarterback. We know how physical they are. And if they get by a USC, hell, they can roll in the Pac-12. And that's the University of Utah. And they are well coached. And they, as you know, they are physic. They are friggin' nasty physically. Yep. You're a fan of a team, Michigan, that's similar when it comes to the physicality. And they got more of a playmaker at quarterback now this time. And so they're dangerous. Hell, to me, I know there's Oregon and Chip at UC, Chip Kelly at UCLA, all that. But I'm going to tell you, I'm always concerned with that team because they can disrupt a national title run for somebody. So I, I, even though they're, what, they're, I think they're eighth, I think they're pretty good. Six. Yeah. For me, there's a couple things comes down to. One is, and, it, and a lot of it hinges on what a guy under center does because we know if you're, gonna, if you're not going to have a great player there, you better have Georgia's defense in college football. Now. Right. You better. One is Jimbo's got a lot of pressure with all the name, image, and likeness and all the money he's making. The number I, I don't one like, recruiting three, class, yeah, all right, this. In history. And why yep. it's Texas, meaning Texas A&M, but it's in the state of Texas. It's the SEC. There's the pressure, and it's a brutal conference to have to compete in. And they're still working to settle who's the quarterback. Where are we, Max Johnson? You know, Brad's, Brad's son transferred. Mm-hmm. They got the kid King from, uh, I think it's King from last year, who started and got hurt, lost, a, and then never made it back, and Calzada started. And then they get this kid, Segs, that I watched play because one of my guys played head-to-head against him, one of my top guys who's like a top 5, 20, 20, top 3, 20, 24 kid in America. And mm-hmm. he's a kid from Bridgeland, uh, Texas, not far. I mean, I can be at his high school in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. I watched him play in high school. Say, I'm going to tell you something. He's a, he, went, he, he enrolled in January. If that position struggles, you keep an eye on this kid. His last name, it's, it's a Wegman. Connor Wegman, okay. I think. I'm going to tell you. Yeah. He does a little, and he's tough. Friggin' uh, sneak. And one thing about Jimbo, I'll give him credit for. His, his guys in college, pro quarterbacks, they, when they get to the pros, they, they don't succeed very often as far as dominate. But, man alive, they, he gets guys driving. They play good college football. Keep an eye on this kid. He's a playmaker. Uh, that, that one. I don't know how much I trust AM because of that position. And then right. there's two others. A rookie head coach at Notre Dame, it's tough, Sags, and I think Freeman's going to be great. I do, but it is difficult. I don't think people a lot of times realize what comes with that program. I mean, it, 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 I'm talking about it. Is, mm-hmm. it you, the, For the sure. Expert, yes. And so, but they'll be good, and the one thing about them – Team speed is always when they're not, when they're struggling, they get teams just get to the edge faster than them, right? But I have a lot of yeah. respect for him. Tough, and I'm going to tell you that and Clemson better that quarterback better step is has got to. I wouldn't have them in yeah. the top four. I, I wouldn't, and maybe I'm wrong because I, I know they got talent. But Segs after last year, I think there's I think they got some. Now they're in the ACC and they're better. I get it, and than anybody in the conference, but. I'm talking about in the national scope. 
I don't, I, I don't know, Segs. I, I there's, uh, I, I, your Wolverines probably deserve a little, and while it's respect, I know where they're sitting, but I, I'm not sure right now. I got to see, is Uwe, is Uwe, is DJ, Ua Ungalele, yeah. the guy that played against Notre Dame, his, when he replaced Lawrence and threw for four, almost 500, or is yep. he last year's guy? I'm not sure who he is. And speaking of Texas quarterbacks, there's a kid there named, his name's, uh, it's Cade Klubnick from yep. West. They won the state championship from uh, Westlake, Austin, Austin, Westlake. Say, so go ahead and leave your glove on the mound with that kid too. So we, I've seen them, and these kids can play. So it's those. And with that in mind, I was surprised at the distance between, I don't mean this to a mission guy, it's like 49 first place votes to like five for Ohio yeah. State. I don't, I don't know if. Alabama's that great a distance in front of Ohio State. Stroud's a good player. You know, they're receivers. They're nasty. You know they're going to score, oh, Segs. Good yeah. gracious. They got so many weapons. Yeah. So that and I understand why Alabama's first. So um and Stetson Bennett's just a grinder for Georgia, you know, winning a national title. But and and the rest of those teams in there, but there, there's a few of them that I'm trying to look at the teams that are that are might be a little overrated and and some that you shouldn't sleep on and, and Utah and Baylor are two of them. Yeah, definitely the team I was thinking when I was talking about it was Clemson. Right. I don't think they should be in the top five. Agreed. I don't know why they're in the top five. I do, and you, you and I the, both know. The, yeah, right, yeah. A little hype it, and pub, just, and they got yep, a great coach. Yep, they, yes. They've had a good recent history, That's so right. let's put them in the top five. But when you have that big of a question at quarterback, I can't put you in the top five. I mean, you look at the other teams in, in the top five, outside of you know, Notre Dame will see – but the top three, especially, they have their quarterback in place. And now, yeah, you can argue question. that's yeah, you can argue that Stetson Bennett's not Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, and that's obvious, but he's one of those guys in college football that just win. We've seen plenty of these. Alabama's had a ton over the years. Of the just three, win. who's wearing the who's wearing the national championship exactly. ring of the three? Exactly. And who was the MVP exactly. in that big game offensively? I think it was Stetson yep. Bennett. So it was point being is well, he if he walks into a room, Sags, you're like, dude, uh, um, when when you're playing second base for your high school team, that's Stetson Bennett. Yet you watch him play, and that sucker, I, I will cut your heart out and feed it to you, right? Yeah. So, but there, there you have it. I, I'm with, to, to me, I'll be, I will bet right now. I and I love Dabo, but I'd be shocked if they're playing in the in the in the Final Four when the season's over. Is there a team just in the country? It can be any team. It doesn't have to be a top 25. Is there a team that you're thinking right now they have a ton to not only prove, but there's, you know, behind them, there's a lot of people pushing like, okay, it's time to start winning. I mean, there's the obvious one in Texas. That's every year. We talk about Texas every year. They got one first place vote too, Sags. They got one of the top team in a country. Uh, That's the Sarkeesian and Quinn Ewers factor. Right, right, right. Go. Someone just really believes in them, but we have to wait and see. Is there another team outside of Texas? Because I feel like they're the easy answer that you're like, okay, now's time to put up or shut up. Yeah, there, well, there's uh, uh, these teams aren't going to finish in the in the in the top five in the country, I wouldn't think. But two that I'm curious because of the way they play fast and that they can disrupt the apple cart. And one is Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss team because you know they're going to run 90 plays a game and play fast. And who's going to win the job, Jackson Dart or someone else? But they always right. that position when you got a guy like him who's ballsy, scary. And then they're 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 not going to be a threat. But I'm wondering if this is a year they get a a huge, huge, huge. I'm talking about a monster upset, 
and and that's Tennessee because they have a good quarterback and they play. I mean, they'll run more plays than anybody in the country. Now, when people say Tennessee, Sean, I'm not saying they're going to be in the Final Four, and but I like what Heupel's done offensively for them. Does that make sense? And yeah. dude, and when I talk about quarterbacks, there's going to be backup quarterbacks on some of these teams this year that are friggin' really good across the country. But I like those teams that can get you on a Saturday where they run so many plays they beat a team that they're not supposed to beat. But the team right. is Sags is my team. With Lincoln Riley, my Trojans, you got Caleb Williams, who some think right now, if he was coming out this year, is the first pick of the draft, and that's with yep. Stroud and Bryce Young. You, they mm-hmm. went out and got the, the trans, you know, Addison from Pitt. Yep. They went out and got, I mean, they're f- more physical on the offensive line. The expectations of he's really been as good a play offensive play caller they have. They want to run the football, even though they threw it. They do love to run it, and they ran it well at Oklahoma. And I think he's got physicality. Are they? Stout enough on defense, and expectations come with ten million dollars. Sags, and I'm telling you, I can tell you, my Trojan fan base, they they're not sitting here thinking we'll see in two years. They expect, right. especially in the Pac-12, that they're going to be they're going to have a shot. Dude, I've I've even heard the whispers by some of undefeated in the Pac-12. Now I don't know if it's realistic with Utah and Oregon will still be good, and you know Stanford's always capable of us upsetting USC because they always give us fits. Mm-hmm. But I'm just telling you, man, be, the Trojans, they're in the team. They're sitting in a great position. They're, they're, yeah, they're a 15. People know about them, right. They're in the mid. They're not there. But they can charge fast because it's going to be much easier than playing in your Big Ten and playing in the SEC to get there. The path is a lot easier for oh, the Trojans. And they've got a dynamic offense. They're going to score some points now. I, oh. I'm just telling you. So uh, it's them, not because of my Trojans, because I'm not sure – how physical they're going to be if they can match up against those. But I can tell you this, if you, if you think this is the Trojans that you've seen the last couple of years, you're probably going to, you're probably going to be in a little bit of trouble if that's what you're expecting. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about, to me, with that team, it's all about the defense. Agreed. Can, can they be physical enough to, uh, yeah, they could probably be physical enough in the Pac-12, but against a team like Utah, can they handle that physicality? And then if you get into just say a college football playoff, you know, Georgia, Alabama. I mean, those are different teams. That's even a level up from Utah when it comes to major concern. Thanks for me too. I'm with yeah. you 100%. So that, that will be the big question. You talk about USC. One more question I have for you before we're done here, and then we'll get into the big 10 moving to the, the CBS and all that next show. USC, the big recruit Malachi Nelson. Yep. He's committed. Well, last week he made some waves, went to Texas A&M put out pictures of him, you know, in a cowboy hat with the uniform on the pads on and all that. Do you like recruits doing that? Not, not so much just Malachi Nelson, any recruit. We see it all the time. Kids keep their recruitment open. They just commit hoping that this team takes care of me because I committed to them, but you know what? I'm still going to play around and, and date a few others. Do you like when kids do that? Not really. I always wonder if you're really all in, why are you keeping your, you're right. open, and I know some will answer, well, we've seen guys take the scholarship away and give it to somebody else. Now, Malachi Nelson's in no danger of anybody taking – of not right. recruiting him because he's a great player. But And the temptation at A&M says, walk, I, I bet Kyle Field, 108,000. Mm-hmm. It's Texas. It is a – I can assure you they created something for him. He's like, ooh, this is a real college town. Like right. Unlike SC, which is not a college town, I get – but he's also from that Long Beach, Seal Beach area from Los mm-hmm. Al High School. So he's familiar. And you know how it is. Ooh, that's the, that's the newest girl at the dance. 
Texas A&M. Right. I don't, it's just like I don't like four or five hat sigs. I don't like that, you know, do this, do this, and toying because there's some kid out there waiting for your decision on, the, on scholarship. I don't necessarily feel right. sorry for the university because the university will toy with you too. Don't misunderstand me. They'll recruit five five stars. But I, I don't mind it. But I, for me, I just – if I'm locked in and I love it and I know I love it, I'm, I'm, I'm going to commit and I'm going to live it unless they do something that I lose trust, change a coach or he leaves during my recruitment. The other side of it is that if I'm not all in and I'm Malachi Nelson or somebody the five-star – they're going to have a scholarship for you no matter where. So, yeah. and they're not going to stop as you, and you leave yours open. If you're USC, why would you quit recruiting other quarterbacks? You wouldn't. And by the time Malachi Nelson's ready to roll, Caleb Williams will have one more year and be out. So the timing's perfect. But if you, if you, I'll tell you what it tells me, Sags, either he likes the flirtation or something is clicked in that he fell in love with them and they sold him on something, or it's just taking all your free recruiting trips and doing your thing. But, no, yeah, I'm not this, a big guy of the, the flirtatious stuff. I'm not the, the segs. Think about what, what I would have, we would have both said about college football three years ago, just three years ago, like in these situations. Mm-hmm. I'm, not a, I'm not a big when it comes to the flirtatious part of a scholarship. That's not me. But I'm not the kid. And when you're a five-star recruit, they're going to tell you how great you are everywhere. And with name, image, and likeness, I'm sure he's feeling all that. Plus, who pays the most name, image, and likeness right now? Texas, Texas A&M. A&M. There you go. Why not? Yeah, it's it's a it's a situation that you you as a head coach at these universities, these big universities, you can never feel comfortable. Maddening when, when a kid commits to you. And you also got to recruit them when this, they're there because they may transfer yes. on you. You can't quit recruiting right. them now. You got to recruit them the whole time. The coaches just texting constantly is a thing that I'll never get over. I've heard stories from kids and from parents of coaches texting all I mean like dozens of texts in a day. Oh, so yeah. it's something that, you know, I think you can get going after 17, 18 year old kids. They like yeah. it. Yes. Yep. yep. Yeah. Because so. social there, there will come a point in time. I think, okay, you've texted me 58 times today, maybe hold off for a day, but then there's that. Well, does he not like me anymore? You know, it's like, right. Come on, man. Set the bar high, but <laughs> did they forget don't, don't about me? It. Yeah, that's exactly right. Right. So good all right, well, that's recruit, it. For... I guess. Right. So it's good to be a five. star. Yeah. Recruit. No kidding. Right. Go. I, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I would probably take the trips and just go see the world. Hell or see yeah. The country, I don't not have a problem world. with that, but, but then just, yeah. you know, but, but post it. It's Make just sure you're telling. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's exactly. Yeah. So, all right. That'll do it for episode six of the Sean Salisbury show right here on the believe network. It was fun, Sean. We'll Love put it. another episode up later this week. Look Football's close. It. Can't wait, brother. Look forward to it. Great stuff. Thank you for listening to believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.